Hello, my praying people. You are listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast, and I'm Leanne McCoy, your host. On this podcast, we're going to unpack the mystery of prayer. Along the way, your faith will be strengthened and your relationship with Christ will be taken to new levels. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as believers, but far too few of us know where to even begin in exercising and using this powerful tool. Let's take this journey together and experience what happens when we pray. I can't believe it, but school is almost out for the children in our school system. And I'm sure you're either counting the last days or already at the last days of your school year as as well. What a great year it's been. At least they got to go to school, huh? I'm so excited that we are beginning to return to some semblance of order at Thompson Station Church, where I'm on staff, um, we're looking forward right now to several weeks of camp like we always have had for years as um, we roll out children's camp and youth camp for the high schoolers and youth camp for the middle schoolers. And then this year, we're even adding a new camp for our kindergarten through second graders. And so we'll, we'll just jump in in a week or so into week after week after week of camps and our excited that we have so many students that are headed off, so many campers that have signed up and are ready to go. And I don't know, it just feels good, doesn't it? It just feels good that things are are getting back a little bit to normal. As I record this podcast, I'm in Las Vegas visiting one of our church planners and um, love it, love it, love it out here. I love the church out here. Lord, I'm praying for the churches out here and for this church planting movement that you're doing out here in Las Vegas and for the work in this land. Um, But anyway, while we've been here, Tom and I have been traveling together and our hotel has been full of dancers, little girls, not not like Las Vegas dancers, but these are little girls that have been in some kind of dance competition. And it's been like being at a little girl's slumber party. But um, today the children have left, the girls have left. I guess the competition's over, but it's just, it was fun. It was fun watching people doing their their normal things like going to a dance competition. We certainly are a long way from where we were last year at, at this time. I just wanted to let y'all know as I'm uh, chatting with you a minute before I share what I have to share with you that I am so excited about a project that I'm working on with two other uh, amazing women in the ministry. These women are Diane Nix, who leads Contagious Joy for Him, a ministry to pastor's wives, ministry wives. Um, Diane has been on the Prayer Clinic podcast before, and she and I have been friends. We go way back, and um, I love what she does. I love the ministry she has, and I love her heart. I love her heart for the Lord. I love her heart for ministry wives. And um, I love a part that part of her platform also is to go to battle for those that are in the trenches. And ministry wives are certainly in the trenches of spiritual battles, just as all of us are. 
But anyway, Diane is one of my partners that I'm um, rolling out this summer with a very fun and special project. And my other partner is Jackie Garner. Jackie Garner um, is the host of a very large podcast called The Pastor's Wife Life. I believe that's what it's called, Pastor's Wife Life. Jackie, I will check that and make sure I'm calling it out right. But um, Jackie and I are new friends as she had invited me to be a guest on her podcast and um, just delightful. She's so much fun. She has such a rich ministry, again, for ministry wives and pastor's wives. And anyway, the two of them and I, Diane and Jackie and I, are working together this summer to roll out a podcast that we're calling Five Smooth Stones. Five Smooth Stones. And our subtitle of the project that we're working on, it'll be a series of podcasts coming in June, is I'm a woman of God, I've got five smooth stones, and I'm not afraid to use them. We're going to get you all armed up and dangerous this summer. So I just want to invite you to um, tell your friends about this, even though it will be kind of gender specific to women. And even also because all three of us are ministry wives, we'll really be speaking to ministry wives. But this will be a series that anyone would be interested in as we unpack what spiritual warfare is Um, how we have been given everything we need to win every battle that comes our way. And um, so I'm excited. I'm so excited about this. Uh, Diane's going to be rolling this same podcast out on her platform as Jackie will be as well. So the three of us are going to do a podcast parade (laughs) as you get to know them and um, their their audience gets to know us. And together, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So just want to give you the heads up, let you know that's coming this summer, uh, a series of five smooth stones that we're going to do on our podcast. So um, I'll give you some more details as we continue to prepare for that. Probably going to start that podcast about the second week of June. So now's a great time to introduce your friends and um, people who need to be encouraged in their prayer life to the Prayer Clinic podcast. Ask them to listen to us. Let us know what you think of us by giving us a rating and um, certainly subscribe. All right. Well, I've got a word for you today. I don't know if you figured it out, but it's the month of May, and the month of May, of course, has Mother's Day. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you um, a little bit late. Um, Actually, I think every day ought to be Mother's Day, and especially our children's birthdays. Have you ever thought about the fact that we celebrate the child who did nothing but just show up? I have actually thought that every time we have a child who has a birthday, it ought to be a big day for mama. Because after all, we're the ones, we're the ones who did the deed, right? We're the ones who gave birth to them on their birthday. (laughs) Nonetheless, my children don't see it that way quite so much. In fact, my granddaughter, River, asked me on Mother's Day, she said, when is it Kids Day? And I said, every day is Kids Day. Um, Of course, I only said that because that's what my mother always said to me. But anyway, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Um, I... Last week, released um, a wonderful interview with my good friend, Chris Adams, and her daughter, um, Alicia Neighbors, and what a beautiful story they shared and told. I loved um, talking with them and hearing them interacting with each other as we just 
gave God the glory for the good things that he has done in their life. And I really do hope you were encouraged by hearing their story. If you've not listened to that episode, I believe it's episode number 12, um, please go back and listen to uh, the interview that I got to have with Chris Adams and her daughter, Alicia Neighbors. Chris and I worked together for many years at Lifeway and um, just... I cannot even tell you how fun it is to see the purposes of the Lord continue to roll out in the lives of others who have gone through uh, really difficult journeys with their children. And so I've kind of dedicated this month to sharing stories about how God answers mother's prayers and how he works in our hearts and our lives when we're in difficult situations with our children When my children were really young, I had them all within three years, top to bottom. My oldest turned three in March when I had my third, my youngest one, in May. And so there were 18 months between my daughter Michael and my daughter Kaylee. And then there were 20 months between my daughter Kaylee and my son TJ. Um, I was the barren woman whose tent pegs got expanded as the Lord increased us from uh, the two of us, Tom and me, for five years to within three years, a family of five. Uh, Many people asked me if I was going to go for five children, uh, referencing the Bible verse that says, you know, your quiver will be full. And a quiver, I think, had five arrows in it. But I assured them that my quiver was full, and it being mom and dad and three children. And so um, our five in three years was um, a hullabaloo, truly. It was just uh, a mad dash. All of my years of my children growing up felt like it was just rolling from one huge season of development smack dab into the next one. And I never really got the opportunity to apply anything that I was learning Um, in my own parenting. So now I I have all that bundled up and I just have to spill it out and share it with all of you (laughs) in hopes that maybe you were wiser than me and spread your children out a little further so you've got a chance to breathe and think between one child and the other. But it's neither here nor there. I'm so excited that God did hear the heart cry of this barren soul and gave me three beautiful children who are now three beautiful adults And uh, I continue to learn many things about myself, about the Lord, about my children, about life, because of this role I have as a mother. And one of the lessons that I've learned is one that was taught in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. And uh, it's that lesson that I want to share with you right now in this particular um, podcast. And I'm going to title this podcast, Letting Go. And it really is a lesson about letting go. And I'm just going to share with you what I shared many, many years ago at Thompson Station Church on a Mother's Day as I was gifted with the opportunity to share my heart with our people in a Mother's Day message. And I hope you don't mind if this sounds like I'm reading a little bit because I will be relying heavily on my notes that I shared that day. But I really think that all of us moms can benefit from being reminded of this lesson that I have to share. And so with um, no more intro, I'm just going to go right into this and share with you um, this message that I'm calling Letting Go. I found myself complaining one day 
about having something painful one of my children was putting me through when suddenly the thought hit me anything that begins with morning sickness and culminates with labor and delivery is bound to be difficult where did we think that motherhood was going to be easy and so um I went to prayer that day when I was um, feeling this way and having this thought, and I asked the Lord to tell me, Lord, what is it now that you want to teach me about being their mother? And he said, I want you to let go. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, go to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And so I'm going to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 right now. And the Bible I have with me is the New Living Translation. And I'm going to read to you what the Lord sent me to when I asked him about this letting go. About this time, and this was a very particular time. This was a time in Egypt when the Israelites were had now become slaves. This is after, you remember, when Joseph's brothers put him in the pit and he ended up being second in charge in Egypt. And when Jacob and all of the children came there in order to escape this severe famine. famine. And um, after hundreds of years of the Israelites living right there with the Egyptians, they continued to keep themselves identified as a separate culture because of their allegiance to God, I believe. And they multiplied because of God's promise to Abraham. Remember that Abraham's children would multiply more numerous than the stars in the sky. And at this time, about this time, where we're picking up in the story, Pharaoh was afraid of the multiplication of the Israelite slaves. And they were actually more than he needed. And so he had commanded out of fear that the boys that would be, every time an Israelite slave child that was a boy was born, that the midwives were required to throw that male child into the Nile River. Don't forget that the Nile River was full of crocodiles at this time. And those babies, no doubt, that were thrown into that river became, they either drowned or they became um, food for those crocodiles. It's a horrific time to be pregnant, a horrific time to be giving birth to a baby boy. Um, just a, 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 a very brutal time in history. So about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married, and the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, and she kept him hidden for three months. Now, I have to stop right here when I'm reading this and say, which one of us have ever given birth to anything other than a special baby? <laughs> you know? I mean, when that baby gets here, he is special just because he's mine. But but hers probably, and the scripture says that, but it says special baby, the Hebrew word means remarkable. So in some way he was remarkable. He, I don't know if it's how healthy it was. I don't know if he was like just especially cute or especially not cute. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, he was a special baby. And she kept him hidden for three months. Now, I have to tell you a little bit about my special baby. When I first had my daughter, Michael, she was a special baby. And um, for the first three months of her life, I did go back to work full time and um, was in a ministry career that I loved very much. And for those first three months of her life, we didn't pay for child care. Our church was so small that it was just my husband on staff. 
and he would literally take our special baby to work with him. And because she slept so much and um, all she really needed to be done was to be fed and burped and diapered and could go right back to sleep, she um, was kept by her dad for the first three months of her life. And um, after that time, it became hard to keep her because you know this, when babies get past the first three months or so, they sleep less and they begin to do more. And so it wasn't until she was three or four months old that we then found somebody that could um, keep her so that he could get back to the work he was doing and not be so distracted. But anyway, so I totally understand how um, Moses was Jochebed's baby, was kept secret, hidden for three months. And then verse 3 says, But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Now don't forget, my friends, that right among those same reeds are the crocodiles. Nonetheless, Moses' mother put him in this basket that she carefully made and laid him among the reeds. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance, so she didn't just leave him alone. She sent Miriam, her daughter, to go and watch over him. She stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the river bank. Now, let me let me say something right here. Do you think that Moses' mother knew that this was exactly where Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe? Of course she did. She knew that this was the place where Moses's, um, I mean, where Pharaoh's daughter would come to bathe. And she strategically put him among the reeds in that exact spot. I just wonder how often she might have gone down there to kind of get an assessment of Pharaoh's daughter and to try to determine if she was a kind person or an unkind person. And if maybe Jochebed had watched Pharaoh's daughter long enough to understand that the best hope she had for Moses was somehow for him to be found by the Egyptian princess. Anyway, Pharaoh's daughter comes along, and when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when she opened it, she saw the baby, and the little boy was crying. And she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister, that would be Miriam, approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. And the princess said, take this baby and nurse him for me. Um, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Now... (laughs) Aren't these women great? Do you think for one second that the princess thought that this was just by chance? When Miriam approached her and said, Would you like for me to find a Hebrew woman to nurse this baby? Don't you think that Pharaoh's um, daughter, the princess of Egypt, knew that Miriam knew exactly who this baby belonged to? Don't you think she knew that these women had strategically placed him in this spot? And what is so beautiful is when she told Moses' mama, when she told Jochebed that um, she would pay her for nursing the baby, that was her way of saying, I will take him as my own. Your son is safe with me. Isn't that sweet? And then verse 10 says, Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. And the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him 
out of the water. I think about Moses' mother, and I think about how she knew, as soon as she knew he was a boy, how in her heart she determined that she would do everything she possibly could to hang on tight to her baby boy, that he would not be ripped out of her arms and tossed into the Nile River. And so she held on tight to him for those three months And then when he just developmentally got too old to be able to be kept hidden, she came up with this plan of making this basket out of tar and pitch and reeds. But can't you just imagine her, the tears streaming down her cheeks as she lay Moses sound asleep, nestled in blankets right beside her as she carefully wove her basket together and then waterproofed it with the tar and pitch. And no doubt as she did that, she sang lullabies to Moses that became prayers to Yahweh as she was crying out for him to keep her baby safe, to keep him from even getting wet, and to keep him from being eaten up by crocodiles and all of the other fears that would have invaded her mind as she prepared to begin to let him go every evening. She probably caressed his little peach fuzz hair as she nursed him and held him tight and prayed that God would somehow give her the courage and strength to do what she knew she must do. My dear mamas, God gives us these children. They make us fat. They make us sick. They put us through the worst pain ever. And then, just when we think we've finally gotten to the good part of being a mother, he makes us let them go. For most of us, that letting go comes as they approach their young adult years, and we all imagined that one day we'd let our children go to college (laughs) and then down the aisle to be married to somebody that we adore and then somewhere to live their lives, hopefully right next door to us, (laughs) so that we can enjoy their children because the absolutely best thing that our children could ever do is give us grandchildren. But for many mothers, that letting go comes way too soon, like when they're diagnosed with cancer before they're two or when they get sick with the flu and something terrible goes wrong or when their bright futures are derailed by the polluted backwaters of the pagan culture in which we live and drugs and alcohol or promiscuity sets in at too young an age or they get wrapped up in somebody or something that they are so sure is going to satisfy and that we know certainly will not. I know that there are mothers that are listening to this podcast who know exactly what Jochebed must have felt like when she carried that basket to the edge of the Nile. I had a friend that made the observation that while Moses' mother was on her way to the river, She had to carry that basket loosely with her baby boy inside. If she had carried it tightly, she would have drawn attention to herself. Her fellow slaves and the Egyptian citizens would have wondered what was so precious (coughs) in that particular basket. And they might have guessed that she had something like a baby inside of it. Can you imagine if, if she had held it tight 
or if she had been crying as she walked, and if one of the Egyptian soldiers had come along, or even a citizen, and stripped that basket out of her hands and jostled it and felt how heavy it was and woken up the baby and how he would have seen it and what a, what a horrific thing it would have been if her little three-month-old baby boy had been tossed into the Nile right there in front of her very eyes after she'd so kept him protected for so long. No, no, Moses' mother had to hold that basket as if it was nothing more than just a basket of biscuits as if it was nothing more than just a, a basket of potatoes that she cared very little for. Can you imagine how her heart must have beat inside her chest as she prayed, Dear God, don't let him cry. Don't let him make a sound. Let us get to the water's edge without anyone discovering my baby boy. And then how she, she smiled and tried to look like any other woman on that day carrying any other thing inside of her little basket. This picture of Moses' mother nonchalantly carrying her basket through the Egyptian streets reminds us mothers that we must hold loosely the blessings God gives us. If we cling too tight, we might stand in the way of God's greater purposes for us, for them, or for the world in which we live. So after Moses' mother made it to the edge of the Nile, she most likely lifted the lid on that little basket took one last look at her special child, kissed his chubby little cheek, tucked the blanket around him, and she most likely looked all around in that tall grass and made sure there were no crocodiles hiding in the shallow edgewaters. And with an ache in her chest and trembling arms and tears streaming down her face, she carefully shoved her special child into the Nile River. When that little basket drifted with the current, it was soon out of her reach. And she realized that she had done all that she could do for her baby boy. Mama, we're not made to let go, honestly. We're made to hang on. We hang on when we hug the toilet and suffer the effects of our changing hormones. We hang on when our babies threaten to come too soon and we make ourselves still. We hang on to their trusting little hands and insist that they keep those sticky fingers inside of ours as they're learning to walk and they begin to venture into their preschool worlds. We hang on when they get to school and we stay on top of what's happening in their classrooms and with their friends and on their cell phones and those computers. We hang on when they're out at night after they start to drive. Oh, my girlfriends, we know how to hang on. Hanging on comes naturally to our mother hearts. Letting go doesn't. But note that if Moses' mother had any other option, she would have never done this. Moses was put in the river because his mother had no choice. And that's the first thing God taught me about letting go. It's number one, really. We let go because we have no other choice. Jochebed put her baby in the basket because she wanted him to live. But to come to this place in her life, she had to understand what she could and what she could not control. She could not do anything about the fact that she was a slave. She could not control Pharaoh. 
She couldn't change the laws. And all there were, there were many things she could not do. There were some things she could do. She could come up with a creative solution to her dilemma. She could trust God. And she could save her son. But only by letting him go. My friends, you can't control cancer, other sicknesses, or even terrible accidents. You can't control sex before marriage, homosexuality, the misuse of drugs, pornography, or alcohol, or the tide of this culture. But you are that child's mother, and you can come up with creative solutions. You can trust God. You can save your sons and daughters, but only by letting them go. Like Moses' mother, we have to be willing to hold our children loosely, nonchalantly, as if they are nothing more than a basket of biscuits. We have to trust God with them. In essence, we have to put our children in the baskets and place them in the Nile. There come times in our lives when our child's future depends on trusting them to God. Had Moses' mother insisted on protecting him herself, he most certainly would have been discovered and most likely killed. But there's another thing God taught me about letting go. Number two, we don't really let go of our children. We, we merely let go of the illusion that we ever held them tight in the first place. If there's anything I've learned in the past few years... It's that I never had the control I thought I had. I was powerless to stop the things that were unimaginable to me. Not only was I powerless to stop these things from happening, I prayed fervently while they were happening. And God, who has all the power to do whatever he wants, chose not to bend his plans to adjust them to my will. I had a friend that reminded me, that Jeremiah 11, uh, 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Those plans are God's plans, not mine. In fact, she said it's Jeremiah 29, 11, not Jeremama 29, 11. <laughs> I don't know why God won't adjust his plans to my will. I have such good plans. They're birthed in a heart that wants only what is good for my children. My plans, my friends, come out of my desire for them to escape pain and suffering. I want my children to have all the good things that life has to offer them and to know joy and peace and prosperity and blessing. I love them so much. And I want them to experience my love. I would never give them anything that would cause them to be sick and certainly not to die. I wouldn't give them anything that might make them cry or feel ugly, experience rejection or loneliness. But as I go through my endless list of all that I consider good, I realize that my Heavenly Father, who has proven His love to me, has a very different interpretation of what is and what is not good. Over the past several years, God has allowed me to be sick, to face my own mortality, to suffer being pumped full of chemotherapy, God has stood silently in the corner of my world as I wept bitterly, hung my head in confusion, and told him I was completely undone. And after all that I've experienced, I have to agree with the one who said, 
it is impossible to make sense of God's plans in the context of time and space. And as I've learned to let go of the illusion that I ever had control in the first place, God eased my suffering with these words from Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mama, when bad things happen, when unexplainable bad things happen, we rest in the reality that we live on the dot. Remember the dot and the line? It's an illustration that Randy Alcorn used in, um, in one of his teachings. Randy Alcorn has written a great book called Heaven. And his whole ministry is focusing on eternity, not on the here and now. So let me for a second explain to you what he means when he says dot and line. Life here on earth is a mere shadow of the life to come. It is next to nothing in light of eternity. It's just the dot. For those who've never accepted Jesus's gift of eternal life, they never know life at all. They only live in the here and now in this shadow of life. Rather than experiencing real life, both here and for all eternity, they discover the moment they die that eternity is way too long to be wrong. For those who receive Jesus' gift of eternal life, the real life begins the moment you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, and set up ownership and rulership there. You experience real life to the degree that you let go of the things of this world and embrace the things that are eternal. But because the earth belongs to the devil, I'm going to call him the father of shadows. The devil rules and reigns in the shadow lands. And the more we live as children of the king, the more this life is going to seem foreign to us. The more persecution we will experience, the more heartache we will endure, the more suffering we will encounter. In fact, the dot stinks, not always, but in comparison to eternal life in heaven, the dot stinks. <laughs> we get most confused over God's command for us to let go when we focus our attention on the shadow rather than the reality, on the here and now rather than the then and there. It is impossible to make sense of God's plans in the context of time and space. But when we get to where he is, our response will be, oh, I get it now. My friends, we win spiritual battles we bolster our faith when we choose to sit in the lap of God, when we choose to come into his presence through our prayer life and allow ourselves to gain his perspective on whatever it is we're going through. And that brings me to the third thing God taught me about letting go. Number three, you can't hold tight to the things of this world and receive fully what God has to offer you. Had Moses' mother held tightly to her baby, he most likely would have died. But because she let him go, Moses was transformed from a slave to a prince. And God didn't stop there. 
God took an ordinary slave child. He reared him where he could receive the best education of the day. And then God used him to set his people free. God had a tremendous plan for Moses' life that was far beyond the comprehension of what his mother ever could have wrapped her mind around. All she knew is that he was a special baby who had to be saved. Moses' mother, she knew all along that he was a special child, but she never could have fathomed what God had in store for her baby boy. By letting him go, she gave God room to work. No matter how ridiculous it might seem to let go. Mamas, now is the time. Now is the time to let go. Moses' mother put her son in the Nile where the crocodiles and mosquitoes and snakes and water and Egyptians, none of which were friends to Israelite slaves, where all of them were. What a ridiculous place to leave a baby. But what she gave up was given back to her. And then she was paid to nurse him. And while it does sound good to be paid to do what most of us mothers were more than happy to do for free, Just the fact that she was paid was a reminder to Moses' mother that although she held him in her arms, he was no longer hers. Pharaoh's daughter took responsibility and guardianship for Moses' mama's special child. What was given back to Moses' mother had to be let go again. Don't miss the emotion of of Exodus 2.10. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. How old was he? He was likely old enough to know and young enough to care. And this brings me to my final point. Letting go is a continual process. You might have to do it day after day after day. Can you imagine? All that time that Jochebed got to have with her son. All that time that she got to hold him and nurse him and and grow him and teach him and talk to him about what it meant to be Hebrew and to tell him about Yahweh, about Jehovah, about their God. And then he's old enough. He's already calling her mama. She is his mama. And all along, she's most likely telling him the day will come when you will go live in a great palace with a princess who will be your mother. And she has to tell him that because she has to prepare him for what's coming, even though she can't even begin to imagine what he's going to learn there, what's going to be taught there, what's going to happen to him there, and and all that he's going to be exposed to there that is nothing like the life of a Hebrew child, a Hebrew son. Can you imagine? He was probably old enough to say, Mommy, don't leave me, Mommy. Where are you going? What must it have felt like to Moses' mother? He and her son sobbed when she turned to walk away. There's nothing easy about it. But Mama, and I'm talking to you mamas out there, the God who has withheld nothing from you, The God who has proven his relentless love to you by sending his own son to die for you, this God would never cause you pain that outweighs the glory to come. Moses' mother most likely cried herself to sleep that night. Moses might have wept as well. But when the people of Israel were freed from slavery, 
everybody rejoiced. <laughs> Just take a minute when you get a free minute and read Genesis chapter 15. If you're a mother whose heart is broken with the pain that being mama has caused you, carefully measure your burden. God does. Psalm 56, 8. We've talked about it before on this podcast. You have taken account of my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God collects our tears in his bottle. And even if your tears have been enough to fill a room, know this, the God who loves you would never cause you to suffer needlessly. His compassion knows no limits. His love has no boundaries. If God has allowed tremendous suffering in your life, you can be sure that he has a greater glory. From his throne in heaven, his wisdom has determined that the glory he has in store outweighs every ounce of your pain. And be careful not to hold too tight to your pain. For when the time is right, and you'll know when that is, got to let that go too. Mama, do you need to let go? Don't forget that if you want God's best, you've really got no choice. And you don't really have any control anyway. You're only letting go of the facade of the pretend that you actually have control anyway. And you can't hold tight to the things of this world and receive what God has for you. And mama, it's not just a one-time letting go. You're going to have to do it over and over and over again. Father, I thank you for this reminder. Lord, I thank you for this reminder that when you called us to be mamas, you knew that we would be strong enough to do what we would have to do. And in the very painful, excruciatingly painful letting go that our bodies do for us, so we don't have to do it with our heart and our mind. It just happens upon us when those contractions begin. And our whole body seems to agonize over the initial letting go just to bring this child into this world. But Lord, it happens. And it happens because we yield to it and we allow it and we believe that life is better than death and that holding on is unnatural. And it's not right. And it's not the place where our children will excel. And so, God, I pray right now for all the mamas listening. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to let go of whatever it is we're holding on to. And, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show us what it is that we're holding too tightly to, the thing that we need to let go. And, Lord, where it's hard to trust you, we pray that you would give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the ability to know that even if there is a crocodile in that Nile, he's going to keep his mouth shut because our baby's going to be okay. And so, Father, we choose to put this baby in that basket and carry it as if it were biscuits and set it gently into the edge of that river and trust you with what you have for him, for her, for life, for this generation, for whomever it is in this world whose life's going to be impacted by the life of our child. And raise up that Moses. Raise up that child. Raise her up. Raise him up to be totally free to pour out 
the ministry that you've put in them to free your people and to allow them to carry us in their generation, whomever it is that they are to impact into the land of promise that you have for us. Oh God, let us as mamas release our children to be all that you've called them to be, knowing that before you ever formed them in our womb, their days were counted. They were written in your book. Lord, before they were ever formed in our womb, you had work prepared for them. And God, as their mother, we release them to accomplish that good work. It's in Jesus' powerful and precious name that we are praying this today. Amen. Woo, friends. I hope your heart was as impacted as mine was by the reminder of this lesson. Letting go. As mothers, we must let them go. Please, if you are listening to this podcast and you know a mama, send it to her. Send this podcast to her so she too can be encouraged by this story of letting go in Exodus chapter 2. And as always, my friends, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing the Prayer Clinic podcast with others. This is a place where we are um, allowing others to understand, or not even understand, but just be invited into the adventure of this mystery in prayer. Let's let them go. Let them go, my friends. Let's let them go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, take a minute to give us a rating, subscribe if you haven't already, and please share this with a friend. There's no doubt that you know someone who could use the encouragement that we've shared today. I'm Leanne McCoy, founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry, and I'm on a mission to mobilize our churches to pray. Don't forget that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. Check out the show notes for today's episode to um, get access to any of the links connected to our guest or uh, connected with the prayer clinic ministry. I look forward to being with you next time. Keep on praying, my praying people.